Welcome to the Whitetail Obsession Podcast with Dave Richmond and co-host Chris Worthing, where we talk and teach everything deer and turkey hunting related. Follow along as we help teach you tips and techniques about hunting, food plots, and habitat management strategies that everyone can use. What's up, guys? Podcast number three. Today, we actually have Howie, and he's going to talk about some public land hunting and give you guys some tips. This is probably... The number one question that I get asked is public land hunting hunting in the mountains. And uh, we're going to go over this. So what's going on, guys? How you doing? Thanks for having me. No yeah. problem. Yeah, we're glad to have somebody on this week. It's pretty funny. We Third weekend, we already got a guest. How, right. why, don't you, why don't you start out and tell us where at in PA that you do that hunting at? Okay, so I live in southeast PA, but I hunt north central. Um, Tioga, Potter County area. Um, very vast, big woods, lots of game lands and hill country. So, okay, gotcha. Awesome. Now, Howie, um, we, we, we've had some te- technical issues here, but yeah. um, just watching your Instagram stories tires me out because <laughs> you put in some major work. I mean, I've seen you, I, you know, I follow you all through the spring and summer and everything. And you got backpacks on with you know, carrying rocks up and down the road. It's a hundred degrees outside and it just, it wears me out. So why it, it, it inspires me really, but tell us how you start out your season by, you know, prepping, you're working out, you're shooting your bow, the trail cameras are scouting in the mountains and let's just start with that and we'll, we'll carry on from there. So, so since I have like a three and a half hour drive, I try to, um, utilize as much time as possible so uh in the spring when i go up for trout if i see deer i mark that stuff in my mind if um i'm out turkey hunting i'm still always deer hunting i'm looking for deer sign and i'm looking for things to come back in maybe in the fall and as i go into these spots i'm looking for oaks different kinds of oaks mostly um like i look for like a white oak or some certain red oaks and then that gives me an idea of i'll put that in the back of my mind and then I could go in there in like September or late August, you know, and, and you could go in there and see if they're dropping. If they mm-hmm. have a, I, I haven't had luck with glass. Some guys say they can glass them. Um, I don't have, I, I haven't picked up on that too good. I, I'll go out like after a storm, after you get some high winds, go out, hit, hit some miles in. And, uh, you know, you'll see, or you'll see maybe where a bear climbed the tree and they'll snap the limbs off and they'll be, They'll, they'll snap them limbs and they'll eat the acorns off them branches. Mm-hmm. You see that on the ground. And then that's another thing you mark that in your mind. And then going into season, you know, you kind of have an idea where you might want to start. But, you know. Now, when you say you mark this in your mind, are you using any kind of apps to mark this? So I am using Spartan Forge and I still have Onyx and I go okay. back and forth between the two um because i still have a lot of waypoints on the onyx and um i'm kind of familiar with it i'm still learning the spartan forge app um but like i'll, I'll mark stuff in my mind i won't, don't always use the app um and then sometimes if something really looks good i will i will mark it and i'll make a waypoint and okay. i'll make now how i'm sorry i i wanted to ask you this year how was your acorn crop we had very very little to none in my area where we're, where I'm at in Jefferson County. Um, so surprisingly there was acorns in a few areas, but it, it was still bad. But I say surprisingly because we had the bad drought and then we had the gypsy moss on top of it. 
And I went out one day scouting and I mean, it, it, like you just heard it sound like it was raining and it was just leaves come down. And when you walked, the, the leaves were all shredded up in the ground. And when you looked up through the foliage, it was like wide open. And those gypsy moths were just hammering everything, mm. even like the underbrush. So it was like, there's, this is like a desert. I need to get the heck out of here. And start writing it there. And um, come to find out that somehow they, some of them spots produced acorns and there was actually deer in there. And I mean, I got burned hard this year. I got my, I got my butt kicked bad. Um, I haven't struggled this hard since I pretty much started, which was back around. Oh, oh nine, 2009 is when I really, that's when I really dived into hunting, um, the mountain areas. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Where? this was almost like, uh, like I started over this year. I just could not, um, my timing was off. I, I mean, we had bad weather. Um, I really honestly, uh, my setups and areas weren't really set up for South wind. And it was like every week weekend, it was South, Southwest. And then I would go in and then it would be Southeast or East. It was like swirling. It, it was just a struggle no matter what, but, uh, back kind of getting off topic, but like you were saying how I'm, uh, preparing and everything. So when I'm in them spots in the spring and I'm putting that in the back of my mind, um, that might be where I come back and then start setting trail cameras. And then I might move those cameras. Now I made a mistake years ago of being too anxious to check those cameras like every week, every other week, you got to let them go for like at least three, four weeks, sometimes six weeks, because mm-hmm. what you're doing is you're putting too much uh, pressure and presence in that area. And if you don't have a decent access and you're um, leaving a lot of scent, which, you know, it's hard because a lot of times it's summer, you're sweating, you know, bugs are bad. Um, and you got to hike up a mountain to get there. So you're, you're dumping sweat and you're leaving scent and then you're, you're altering the course of that, um, that area. I, I feel like, um, so what I kind of, I, I'm always evolving and adapting, changing, you know, every year food sources change, pressure from other hunters change, and you have to kind of figure that all that out. And sometimes you just don't. Now, are you, you know? are you seeing anybody back in here where you go? Um, surprisingly sometimes i do mm-hmm. um now it's not a lot but sometimes one or two guys might be just depending on how they're doing it might be enough to um really alter that that movement in that spot mm-hmm. what what are some things that people you know that that's getting into this mounting hunting hunting what are some things that some guys can look for some tips to them um for success well it's kind of uh i would say if you it's kind of hard to find a good hunting buddy Mm -hmm. that's trustworthy that doesn't you know you need kind of have tight lips you know you can't be sharing stuff because you got to put a lot of work into finding spots Mm -hmm. if you let the cat out of the bag you know it's going to be ruined but um what i've like we, we would park trucks at each end of the mountain and, and access from different areas. And if you would go in from one spot and then you walk to that other truck, you know what I mean? Like, so you drop a truck off, drive around, come in and then walk it. And, and you, you know, you have a buddy, you spread out maybe 20 yards, 50 yards, hundred yards and walk that hillside out and go to that next truck. It might take a couple hours. It might take all day. And then you go back and compare notes. And now you kind of break that down. And then the next time you go out, 
you might move and then go from a different area. And basically, you're just kind of breaking that area down to learn the different kind of habitats. And then you, you, you find where those edges of those habitats meet. And then you'll find where you'll start to learn like the, how the deer are using that terrain mm-hmm. and areas they like. You know, you, you'll go through something. And you'll be like, man, this looks like it's awesome, but there's just no deer sign here. Mm-hmm. For whatever reason, they're just not in there. And then you'll go into this other area and there'll be a couple little features in there. Like it might be some laurel and some hemlocks. It just makes something that, that they like and you'll see sign. And then you'll start seeing that replicate itself from just putting your time in, in different areas that once you start seeing something like that, you'll be like, oh, there's going to be deer here. Because every time I see something like this somewhere else, it always seems that the deer are, are they like this kind of area for whatever reason. So you're talking about entrance and exit and hunting buddy and things. Are you, uh, is this a spot and stock deal or are you, or is this, no, this depending on like, which season you're into? Um, so this could range from say, maybe it's um, late rifle season and, and we just spread out. Maybe we're trying to bump something to each other, or maybe it's February, March. We're trying to look for Turkey scratchings and what Turkey are feeding, but we're still looking for, like you're learning that mountain, that area, as you're walking that, looking for turkey sign or, or whatever else. Um, hold on one second. Okay, so yeah, you're um, you're you're trying to, you're basically trying to do as much as you can with little as you have, if that makes sense. You know what I mean? If that if that makes mm-hmm. any sense at all. Now, what I I got back into public land hunting this year or for 2022, and I did a lot of scouting some hunting with zach and stuff on some public land and he got me into um lone wolf custom gear tree stands and yeah. sticks and stuff yeah. because they're you know they're pretty light and all that what is your public land setup are you hunting hang on saddles or what's your setup? So, this would have been this would have been my third season with a saddle but i mm-hmm. kind of go back and forth i used to have a lone wolf uh, climber and that was awesome but i found that there was some areas where the trees were too big mm-hmm be here and i not get up that tree with that climber so um that's when i went into the saddle game but uh to be honest that that kind of gets old after a little while especially when um it gets late and you're wearing like um your bibs and stuff you're trying to wear that saddle and you got all this clothes on it's not always as comfortable for me now some people they love it um but i bought the lone wolf 0.5 mm-hmm. setup and i ran beast sticks and that was pretty awesome. Now, this last year, I ran the 0.5 Lone Wolf Custom with um, the, the Lone Wolf Custom double 17-inch steps or so, sticks. And, uh, so I just ahead. I just ordered that. The point I ordered the 0.5 and the sticks with uh, three three cable aiders. Okay, so I have two cable aiders, and on the bottom stick, I use a, a three-step aider, which I I I modified it to make it movable. Mm-hmm. Um, that kind of burned me at one time because I had a um, I had a power cord with a carabiner on my belt. So if I dropped it on like the second stick, I wasn't stuck. Mm-hmm. So I bumped it all the way up to the third stick because sometimes you have to cheat to win and get high. Mm-hmm. Um, so I got to the third stick and I went to climb into my platform and I forgot to un- un- clip it and when I stepped into the platform, it yanked that stick off the tree. 
So this is where actually um, a lot of guys like to, to use the, when you're saddle hunting around your, uh, your tether, they like to use those rope man. Mm -hmm. Well, if you listen to uh, the New York saddle hunter guys, they did a video where why they don't like to use that. And they use the Prusik knot. And I always went with that since I watched their video. Mm -hmm. And the situation that actually saved my rear end because I was able to pull that knot down on that Prusik and this descend down to set my now it wasn't comfortable at all but i was able to descend down enough to reset that stick get up back up in the stand now it was kind of a stretch but at least i was tied in and i was able to get my now if i would have had the ascender and you're trying to pull that little cable and those jaws open you're going to go down because your your all your weight is now pulling on that mm -hmm. so that was one thing that was like eye-opening like okay now i've seen it full circle why they do that um the other thing is like with those mobile setup you have to silence mm -hmm. everything um and i'm not quite there yet i got a lot of work i'm going to order a lot of stealth strips this uh, off season mm -hmm. and um i got i got a silence those, those sticks are awesome they're compact and the way they stack but if you're not careful they're kind of like they could be like a tuning fork right but i, I mean i i love that setup the way everything works together it, it's truly awesome now i i do a lot of um, the buck hunting that i do is on the side of a mountain also and that's why you know dave and i was talking about having you on here because you and i have something in common okay uh, cool. i do a lot of real steep hillside like i go in i can i can enter the property from a friend's house and it, it, it's a big triangular narrow piece of property, a hundred acres on top and the sides is all state. And what it is, is it's a bend in the river and there's flat on top, but all sides go down to the river. So it's steep all, every angle steep. And I was kidding, Dave, I said, if you're going to hunt with me, you got to have ankles and calves because mm -hmm. you got it. I mean, you're, it's deep descents you know and and you're rolling rocks with your ankles and stuff you gotta watch really you do but but what i'm getting at is anyhow i run the hawk sticks and i made some some aiders to to you know just help the the last two uh sticks that i have that the low ones the first two i put up have aiders on them and then i can get like 25 feet with those four sticks yeah. um what you can do with this stuff nowadays yeah i mean it's it's nice to be able to go in and do that and move around if i have to i am not a saddle guy right uh, over 50 i just don't trust it anymore <laughs> i don't climb trees anymore you know i do everything with sticks or or ladder stands or hang -ons. you're you're too old I'm well too the old. reason i went in the saddle is i i never wore a harness and um i thought well this would be safer for me because at least now i'm always tied in right. and even if i even if i wear the um i'm sorry even if i'm hunting out of the 0.5 i still wear my saddle and then i would just use my tether and still tie off to the tree so i'm tied in i am bought under safety system vest and i just never liked it and with that cable in the back and i'm like i never i'm like well i never wore it so i'm like now i have something to tie in because I'm, I'm getting older now too and i'm like i think about this stuff a lot more and i'm like you know yeah. How old are you now, Howie? I just turned 37. Okay. 
So that that's another you know thing I could, I'm kind of learning of um, accepting my age because I feel like I the mountains kind of slow you down after a while. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, I I'm 51 and I'll be 52 this year when archery season rolls around. And two years ago, I climbed a tree with a climber, and I I about got stuck up there because I hadn't used it in a long time, and I got up the tree. And found out that my body does not like to bend like it used to. It was one of those stands that had the rubber bands across, and you had to put tuck your toes underneath it, and you know, and let yeah, your, yeah, yeah. let yourself up and down with it. Well, I got up. You know, when the hunt was done, it got dark, and I tried to get my boots underneath those straps, and I couldn't turn around and bend and help myself to get those boots tucked under that rubber strap yeah. i got stuck up the tree and that's when i took i come home and i told the wife i said i'm done climbing trees no more climbers <laughs> too old can't bend like that right so but yeah i find i find myself though howie um i don't know how you feel i i try to find like saddles and Trans, like you were saying, transition zones. Yep. Uh, I like ridge tops during the rut, but during the season, I think I think it's the saddles is where it's at. You know, because all it seems like the does are traveling that, and the bucks are following them around. Um, but rut time, anything could happen. But I like I like using the ridges. What do you think? Uh, I kind of like to be down a bench or two. Uh, it all de- so it kind of all depends on where that saddle is in accordance to how people are accessing and like where your um, like parking lots and stuff are because I used to hunt a lot of saddles but then you would find a tree stand like right in there and then you would be like this looks like it'd be dynamite and then you know you go another hundred yards and it's like oh well no wonder this guy's hunting in here in the and maybe it would be better you know. I don't know. I can't talk for everybody, but maybe they're not accessing it correctly hmm. or maybe they are, but just however they they're doing it kind of changes the patterns. And, um, I I've seen some deer movement in there, but it seems like those older bucks just kind of avoid those saddles. Hmm. Now I don't know if it's because of everybody keys in on that. You know, like we got all these podcasts now, which is awesome, but I'm starting to listen to, podcast and then what everybody's doing or talking about i do the opposite mm-hmm. or i start looking in the, you know like the big thing now is clear cuts so now you go to a clear cut well guess what you got a lot of company on clear cuts because every podcast is talking about targeting clear cuts right so, so you know those deer are always adapt they live out there and it just amazing it's like okay we just got to find somewhere else and you you have to kind of always be one step ahead of the next guy mm-hmm. um I'm lucky in the sense that where I'm at, it's desolate enough that I don't usually get company. Okay. So I actually scout all summer long, put cameras out, mock scrapes out, do a little intel, and then strategically put stands all around that river bend where I want to be. And I actually leave them out and, and, and lock them but I have the sticks. So I just take the sticks down and I leave the stand and very rarely 
do okay. I ever see anybody. Usually, usually if I see somebody, it's like during bear season because, of course, there's people pushing around. Yeah. You know, but and most of my pressure is rifle season. That's when I'll see a lot of people in a lot of these spots, like on cameras and stuff. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> well, the I, reason I pick where I go is because I don't like to see people. So right. I I go where I know no one else is going to go. And like that buck there and that bear there was all shot on that property and uh, with multiple others. And uh, you killed his brother. Yeah, I, I did. I got his his heir. It was either his son or grandson. That you know. that can be tough too for me at some points because I've done that. I've, I went way back in. I'm like, I ain't gonna see anybody back here, and I didn't. But I was so far away from people. Like now, this is um, say like a rifle hunt strategy where you think you're gonna game is gonna get pushed back to you eventually, and I was just too far away from everybody that nothing even came to me. There was enough, I guess, cover and pockets that they just pushed next mm -hmm. of cover, but I didn't see anything. And oh. I'm like, well, I do that again. It, it, the thing it is with like public, it, it's tough because it's so situational. And like when I'm setting cameras in the summer, I've played the game where you know you set the cameras and you're getting these giant bucks on, and they're oh, I can't wait. Well, then they shift. That Always. Oh, but. <laughs> They go doctrinal, and then you don't get them again. And then now you got to start all over. Um, I I kind of like to – my strategy now, I like to cast a net of cameras in areas that I think are good where a good buck would be, and I kind of let them soak. And it, it's kind of crappy because sometimes, like, if you're dumb, you forget to turn it on or you do something and there's a twig in the way or, or sometimes like if you do it too early in the summer and a, a little sapling will actually grow a couple inches and it grows in front of that camera and then it starts blowing the wind. And you got pictures. a thousand pictures. <laughs> <laughs> like, and then you go there, it's dead right at prime time. Yep. So you kind of need to find out a way to get, and, and some of these spots are so far back in, like I just, like, I, whatever reason, I just can't get to them, mm -hmm. but you'll I mean, have, um, but my strategy is I, I try to get these cameras out in areas I think there's going to be a good buck, and I just try to let them soak. Um, that way I'm not altering the deer. You're kind of seeing the deer on their natural – more on their more natural pattern, I should say. Um, and I'm trying to put them in areas where I think they're going to be when I'm going to be hunting them. Um, and then I, I really put a lot more um, effort into, like, in-season scouting. Like this year – um, I'm like, I'm not just going to go sit in a tree because I have like, if I also have a trail cam picture I got from like a month ago, right. you know, like that's not enough information for me to go sit here. So I might spend all day walking and I'm on a scout. So I find hot sign or what I think looks good for that time. Like this year, there wasn't much acorns, but if I would have found a couple or where the ground was tore up, okay, I might set, I'm, I'm going to set here because I don't need to go any further. I made that mistake last year, whereas um, I seen where they were feeding, but I walked past that sign, didn't realize it, didn't realize that that was the hot sign because I was looking for, I, I was like, I got to find better, you know, and sometimes you got to realize this is what's good right now and then set up on that. Right. How many cameras are you roughly running? 
Um, honestly. And is it and is it all in the same spot, or are you scattered throughout multiple different public lands? So I'm I'm uh I think I'm a little over thirty. I okay. don't honestly I, it's under thirty five, but I, I know I'm over thirty. Um, I do have a couple cell cams mixed in there just because there's some spots that just, are so far I was back. Just gonna in ask you if you was running then, cell cams, but I know you're you're at camp a lot, so you just go check them a lot of them though by hand. There, there's a lot of stir going on with them now, and I'm like, well, I, I'm I'm three and a half hours away. So if I see a picture on there till I get up there, I'm basically 24 hours away from that deer anyway. Yeah. So, you know, I, I I mean, but um, I have them. I have most of them this year. I kind of had them on one area, one like mountain area, if that like like a um a hub system where all these ridges are dumping down together. I have them kind of all around that. Um, and then I have a couple, I'll try to leave like a couple, uh, what I call them floater cams where I, I'll try to leave like five or six at the house. And I'll put one in my bag every time I go out. So if I see something going in, something lights up, gets hot, maybe I'll put a camera on it. And then I can come back and check that in a week or so. Or maybe I'll just, if I don't, I can just come back and get that intel at the end of the year, mm -hmm. the end of the season, you know, and then I'll, if I use that one, I'll grab another one, put it in my bag. I always try to keep one in my bag now because there's so many times going into a spot and like scrapes will just light up. It's like, well, I should have a camera here, you know, just to see kind of what your base for me, you're trying to see what is in that area and how they're using it. And then you could kind of like look at the time frame, and then you're like, reverse engineering back to where you think they're coming from but it's mm -hmm. tough i mean they they don't bed in one single bed all the time i don't think sometimes no. high sometimes low no. we me and dave talk about that all the time it's like you know when a deer gets tired it lays down right when it gets tired of laying down it stands up goes to the bathroom takes a couple bites or whatever you know and it uh, these guys making buck beds and stuff. I, I kind of disagree with it. I don't know what you guys think, but like people are trying to make buck beds. I mean, you can make bedding areas and things. I understand it, but to literally like make a buck bed behind this log. Yeah. You know, I, I don't really believe in that. I'm sorry. Well, I, it's more of, I mean, I, I, you know, I've seen people do some crazy stuff, cut, like you just said, cut logs and then they take a rake and they rake out the leaves right there and they try to, I actually seen a guy take a log, put it right on the ground, rake out the area in front of it, take a tree, like a sapling, two inch round sapling, and bend it down and tie it with a rope to an anchor to the ground so he can bed there when he's got a tree right over top of him. <laughs> and it, it's just it's it's over that's the top. way that's way too much thinking. Yeah, I mean, it's over it's over the top. All the bedding everywhere else, and and then maybe that is the only spot to bed. If you if you have that much control over the terrain, mm. maybe, maybe. But yeah, that's, you know, that's like up there this year. Um, it got so dry, and with the gypsy moss, even like the underbrush dried up. That that cover changed, and I think it shifted their bedding because normally I have I want to say like five real good shooters and. Um, Maybe I set my standards too high this year, but I'm like, I want to try and kill something in the 130s. Now, I had one 
that was over 130 and one pushing maybe 130. So I only had two shooters that I was basically after. But another thing that I try to do is through these cameras, um, I try to find where I have the most buck activity. And then I kind of key in that area and I'll bounce around. Like, so I might narrow it down to say 20 acres. Right. And then um, I have six, you know, 120, because I used to be like in the 120s, 125, you know, that's a shooter to me. Um, if I could get five, six in an area like that, I'm going to hunt somewhere around there and, and eventually I'll just catch up to one of them. But this year I only had two and none of them were in the same. They were like really spread out. So I just kept pounding away at where I knew that these bucks were and it just, it didn't work out for me, you know? Right. I mean, I had some, oh, I had some whoppers on camera and, but I never caught up with them. I never saw them again, you know? Uh, so it doesn't always work, but sometimes it does, you know, it, it's hunting and yeah. Well, feel- this, this year I changed up tactics totally because of the acorn situation. I was going out and getting blanked, wasn't seeing anything. And I was driving home and seeing these big bucks in everybody's yard eating grass. Well, it was so, cool and yeah. hot, right? I took off that first week in November and I should have looked at that forecast and just went right back to work because I was limited on time. It was hot. And it, it was, oh, it was so warm. I mean, even at night, it was t-shirt. <clears throat> And I sat there for three or four days and I didn't see a deer. The, right. the first, I, I forget the date. Um, it was right around, I want to say the second or third of November. Um, I took off Monday or no, Thursday, Friday, Monday, Tuesday. And that I, I figured that first Thursday was going to be the coldest morning. I figured, well, it's kind of that time frame. They should be cruising. I should have a good chance. Well, right. I got set up and I had to um, cross this big creek to get in here. So it was a, a kind of a, it, it's a tough access. I thought if I got up along that riverbank and let the wind blow my scent over that river, I'm, I'm bulletproof. Well, I don't know if it was because of how it was um, overly warm and the thermals coming off that water. But at night, you know, the thermal should have been coming down the mountain, but they were going up the mountain and, and the wind was supposed to be coming out of the southwest, coming off that mountain. But it, the thermals or the wind was going completely opposite. And I was on this pinch point. So I had this giant, he, he, I, it was too dark to shoot. I could just barely see the rack. And um, he got the 12 yards right in front of me and he whipped out of there and turned and ran, I thought. Well, there's no way he's seen me because I was just kind of reaching for my, my binoculars to pull him out and look. And um, I thought, did he see me? Well, then he started blowing. I thought, oh, crap. Well, then after he got out of there, I threw the milkweed in and it went right to where he was at. I'm like, that's completely opposite of what the weather forecasted the wind to be. Mm-hmm. Well, let's and, talk about let's talk about scent control on the mountain. Are you using you using sprays? You smoking your clothes? Are you making mock scrapes? Trying to use deer lure? I mean, what are you uh, doing for scent? You know, I mean, I I, I kind of try a little bit of it all, but I don't get all um, wrapped up in it because uh, if I'm up there for the week hunting the mountains, hiking and stuff, uh, I'll be honest. In a couple of days, I start to stink. 
and my clothes start to stink because I'm sweating. I mean, I'll try and hang them outside and air out. Um, I don't really get involved with the spraying down too much. I try to let stuff out in the air or um, I try not. This might sound crazy or dumb, but I try not to eat onions and I try not to eat like garlic during mm-hmm. all of our season because I know that comes like I feel like that comes out of your pores. Exactly. It does for sure. Yeah. I try to watch certain things like that that I'm eating because I feel like it, it just makes your body odor kind of, you know, um, I'll do a little bit of smoking on the clothes, a little like um, oak leaves or oak bark, just what I have or whatever I have available. But I, uh, I read one time if you take vitamin B1, it helps with the odors coming out of you. I, okay. I bought a bottle of it and tried it. I, I didn't see any big difference. <laughs> I, I just heard of using chlorophyll. Yeah. I'll take chlorophyll. Yeah, chlorophyll towels because they actually used that back in the Civil War mm-hmm. for infections because they would stink. And if, if um, they would, I guess they would break the capsule open and put it on the infection or make them take it um, orally that they could drink it or take it like a vitamin or whatever and it would help that infection not to stink so bad. So it's like, well, <laughs> If it can do that, and you kind of burp and you smell like a plant, you know. Yeah. So I, yeah. I a little bit now. I don't know. I mean, it, it's hard to fool a deer's nose, and the wind is always like swirling or switching. It's like right. this year, first I've had in years though. Like as far as trying to get a consistent wind, it just seemed like it swirled every single time I was out. It was brutal. So I mean, I don't know. I I try to play the wind. I try and do certain things, but. Sometimes the deer just win. Right. Yeah, definitely. Well, Howie, you know, we want to thank you for uh, coming on here and explaining all this and make sure you keep your Instagram stories going because like I said, it, it definitely motivates me seeing you hiking these mountains and, and yeah, you're a grinder, dude. I, yeah. I tell Dave that all the time. I'm like, Howie's out there grinding again, man. He's out there. Uh, yep. Hey, I you guys follow along, you know, it means a lot. I, Thanks for having me on, you know, and keep doing what you're doing. You know, you, you're, you pump me up to do stuff too. Cause I'm going to be getting back into the habitat stuff in the property. Oh, I would say coming up here in the next couple months in spring. Mm-hmm. So it's, you know, it's never getting, ending. It never ends. Yeah. It's getting to be that time. It'll be frost seeding before you know it. Yeah. yeah. Like, like Rambo said, nothing's over. That's right. That's <laughs> it's right. All year, man. It's all year. Yep. It never quits. <laughs> Yep. All right, guys. All right. We'll see you guys. Take it easy. Thanks for having me on. We'll see you, Howie. Stay tuned next week for another episode of the Whitetail Obsession Podcast.